And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 47 of the Yellow Card Podcast, presented to you by Couch Guy Sports, brought to you and sponsored to you by Exo Gun. If you're stressed, if you need a massage, or you just want to relax on your comfy chair watching some English Premier League uh, action, recommend to get Exo Gun. Use the code CGS10 for a 10% discount and relax away. On episode 47, with you as always, your host Diego Galvez, Chris Jones, Andrew Fasciano. Fellas, we got a lot to talk about because this opening weekend was fire, was absolute fire. Um, we had some uh, we had some new members of certain leagues come in. <clears throat> so PSG welcoming um, to their to their squad. They're basically their, their five offseason signings: Sergio Ramos, Lionel Messi, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Uh, Georgino Wijnaldum and Ashraf Hakimi. Um, don't ask me how I know how to pronounce all those names because I don't even know. Um, but I'm sure you <laughs> pronounce one wrong. Uh, oh, I, I am so sure. I am so sure about that. But fellas, what what do we think about uh, PSG's offseason uh, signings? Seems to me like very smart signings, considering barely any fees to pay up for any of these signings at all. Um, but fellas, what what you guys think? Any of you guys can can go ahead and jump in. No, honestly, it just it felt like you it felt like they were playing uh FIFA over the summer. It just felt <laughs> like they they were just making moves via video games. You're sitting there and every time they were linked to someone and they got them, and you're sitting there and you go, Whoa, how 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 are they gonna make this work? You know, everybody's got their weekly wages that they're making and the only feed they really paid for was for Hakimi. Other than that, they had, they they basically saved a ton of money on on transfer fees. They just have to pay more in weekly wages due to um, the amount of talent that they brought in. I think the only name that they swung and missed on this year was Paul Pazla, and we'll get into him a little bit later. But other than that, I mean, for PSG, I think it was a, a massive class of a summer transfer window for them. And you can tell that last year that they were upset that they didn't win uh, at least move on. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. I mean, if you think about those five names, probably if you weren't following along with the storylines and someone asked you to guess how many free transfers were in there, were in there, you would probably say zero just based on the profile of those players. But the fact that PSG got, what was it? Two or three of those players, at least on free transfers is Pretty incredible. Technically, um, four if you want to count. Messi four. A free transfer. Right, yeah. Um, the the one that stands out to me most out of that crop is Donnarumma, I think. The fact that they got him as such a young goalkeeper on a free transfer is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and it, it really does seem like all the cards fell exactly the right way for PSG this summer. Whether or not that translates to success on the field is another matter, but if you're Mauricio Pochettino, I feel like you got to feel good about having a club that's backing you right now um, because there's not a whole lot else you could have asked for other than a window like this. Yep, yep. And there's several rumors brewing already for PSG come October window as well. So, um this team just seems to be wanting to build a mega team for the next two or three years to just kind of overtake when they really should have overtaken. And uh, it's going to be a scary team if they, if they get to build a super team. Um, in addition- Speak, speaking of that real, real quick before, have you guys seen the rumor about what, what their potential plans are? Yeah. For like next year. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Or to oh replace, gosh. to replace Kylian Mbappe. Yeah. Which I think is just wild to think about. That is just it, it is wild. Absolutely wild to think about. It is wild, and hence why. So I know you. I, I know you brought up Paul Pogba as a swing and a miss, but I think that if they go for Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Pogba is really not a priority to them. It, it's more of a priority to Juventus because then Juventus's midfield game is basically gone at that point, and they will need somebody with the uh, virtues that. Paul Pogba has has brought on board. I mean, look at what he did this weekend with United. We'll get into that. Um, in addition to another team reception here, 
was uh, Rafael Varane finally announced by Manchester United after passing his medicals, doing all the protocols that comes with with a signing. Uh, what a way to what a way to welcome him in front of all the all the fans, all the loyal fans at Old Trafford. Uh, <clears throat> guy just basically comes in, dressed to the nines with, with his suit and whatnot, uh, jersey on hand. He will be wearing number nineteen for the for the Red Devils, um, an electric reception considering that um, considering how a lot of pop the guy got the man that he came onto the pitch. What what did you guys think of of that reception? I mean, it's Manchester United, so you knew it was going to be a loud reception, especially you know getting fans back at Old Trafford. I think getting fans back anywhere, I think, was tremendous this weekend. We saw from from Friday's game with Brentford, that literally the fans make a humongous difference. People don't uh, account for that. I think the only one that I know when talking realistically about it out of the three of us was Faciano. But other than that, I mean, they, they truly, truly do make a, a ginormous difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a decent chance that in a year's time or a couple years' time, we'll look back at this Varane transfer and wonder how United made it happen. Because to get a player who's still relatively young in the prime of his career, who's won so much for a relatively small fee, I think it was like $35 million or something mm-hmm. around, around that, there's a pretty decent chance there that that could end up being a, a huge, huge bargain for United. I think if he continues to perform at the level he's been at, you're getting a lot of value for that money. So I think it could end up being a real crucial deal for United as they're looking to make that next step and contend for titles once, once again in the premier league. All right. So we know about the team receptions. We know that was a, a, Good way to segue into the next topic. Opening weekend in the Premier League. Oh, my goodness. We started off Friday with Brentford versus Arsenal, which, by the way, I think it was by far the surprise of the week for many, um, considering we haven't seen Brentford in a Premier League uh, fixture in quite some time now. Um, Then we got... A Saturday massacre, which was just ridiculous. <laughs> all the action that happened Saturday, I, I'm I, I'm over exhausted just thinking about all the action that went on Saturday. Never mind what's gonna be bound to happen today with uh, today Saturday. I mean today Sunday, the the fifteenth, as we record at nine thirty uh, Eastern time here in, in Boston, but. We got Tottenham and Manchester City still to to be played, which I'm sure that's going to be a marquee matchup. Um, it, it's just this year's Premier League, man. If you if you're not following, you are so behind the behind the crop just right from the get go. Um, let's 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 get into let's get into Brentford and Arsenal because I think that was that was the the best way to start this Premier League season. Um, Brentford crowd extremely loud and and at home um you know singing their version of hey dude but just brentford instead um just how amazing was was the scenes of seeing brentford not only beat arsenal 2-0 at home um but how amazing was the the crowd i know i know for myself, I got a little emotional because I was like, wow, this is just amazing. And just seeing the interactions between the crowd, the coaches, the players, the staff, it was just like, I can't believe this is even happening right now. Uh, but what did, what did you guys think? Um, so I think going in, you know, Arsenal had a little bit, uh, a little bit of a banged up lineup. Uh, Lacazette was out with an illness. You got uh, a bombing that was out. As well, you're missing Thomas Partey. You're missing key pieces of your uh, of your team in that game, and you know just our terror with the lack of having Uyako Saka in the starting eleven. I think was uh, a tell sign of how that was going to end up. Um, for someone who has spoken nothing highly but highly of Arsenal, 
for this season coming up, I think they uh they shot themselves in the foot there because coming up they they have to play. If I'm not mistaken, next week they're playing Chelsea, which is uh, a very tough game for them. And then the following week after that, they have to play Man City. So you're looking at a potential 0-3 start for them right off the bat. So for me, what they're gonna, what Arsenal's gonna have to do moving forward is they're gonna have to be able to play with, you know, the top four in City, United, uh, Liverpool, and <clears throat> uh, Chelsea. But they also have to put into account that the Brentford fan base was brutal last night. And anytime you play there this year, no matter what team you are, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, it was an incredible game, an, an incredible opener to the season. I think it's a pretty good example for why fans across the world are drawn to the English Premier League, to be honest with you. Like, Brentford having not played a top-flight match for 70-something years. Never played a Premier League game ever. Top-flight. It wasn't the Premier League. Exactly, yeah. They haven't been in 75. They haven't been in in the Premier League, yeah. They were in the old first division. But, I mean, to just come storming back like that and produce a moment like that for the fans, you can't really replicate that sort of emotion and that sort of feeling in a league where the teams are the same year in and year out. So it's a, it's a different dynamic to what we have in our four biggest leagues over here in the U S and it was just incredible to witness. I mean, the first goal Brentford scored was a thing of beauty. And from that point on, I mean, the fans were just incredible the whole game long. They were the 12th man, I think for sure for Brentford in that one. And hearing them sing at the end of the match with the fans or with the players going around the field and thanking them and the manager, Thomas Frank going around the field, thanking them was really quite something special to see. So I think no matter what happens for the rest of the season, whether or not they continue with this form or if they start to struggle a little bit, I think Brentford fans will never forget this game. So it's an incredible start for them in the Premier League, and it was very, very cool to watch. Yep, yep, that's for sure. And, you know, it's funny because I, I remember an episode 46 last week. Um, I think I, I, I threw a curveball with a wild take that Jones was like, okay, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big, big take. But, yes, they kind of proved it to be something that if you're Arsenal fans, you should probably start thinking about considering – how badly managed this Arsenal team showed to be just yesterday. Arteta could be the first manager to be sacked if this is the way that Arsenal is going to be playing this season. Um, Bukayo Saka coming off of the bench for them, which we all saw how good Bukayo Saka was in the Euro 2020s. Why would you bench a talent like that right off the bat? Uh, I understand they have, like I said, um, sick and a, and a few other bang up and whatnot, but you, if you are in a top flight team like Arsenal, who's known to be a top six team in the Premier League, you you gotta you, you gotta step outside of these boundaries and you gotta create opportunities for for the rest of your team. Otherwise, just just step outside. Just know that you you're not the guy for the job. Um, they they got some good signings this year in Lokonga and, and a couple of others. Um, I'm just I'm just really surprised at how bad Arteta utilized his weapons um, in in this game. It, you know, everyone everyone thought it would be a two nothing victory for Arsenal, maybe three, maybe even four, but never never did anyone imagine that Brentford was going to be this uh, this powerful of a team that they showed up to be. Yes, I mean, Arsenal was choked up the middle for at least eighty percent of the game. If that, anytime that they had an attack developing, it, it would just gain stopped a, a bit past the midfield. It, they, they were not getting past at all. Um, their goalie was really good. Their, their Brentford goalie was really, really sharp, made some key saves at, at, at the right times. Um, their defense, very good, very uh, very physical for sure. So any any of these teams with, with um, creative Offenses are gonna struggle against a physical defense that Brentford offers. Um, but, anyways, moving on from from Brentford and Arsenal, 
um, Saturday games. You know, um, let, let let's talk about our teams because we haven't we haven't given them much of a of a spotlight. Uh, I'm gonna start off with Everton because I think Everton was kind of a kind of a surprising team. Uh, they started off in the in the in the wrong note, unfortunately, but uh, they managed to turn it around and they managed to get things moving for them. So Andrew, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up the floor for you because I know there were some major concerns coming in with Rafa Benitez at, at the start of the season. Uh, what what are, what are your immediate thoughts as you saw this this team kind of uh, get in the groove and, and and get things moving for them for themselves? Yeah, I think it was a, a very, very positive start to the season and exactly what Everton needed. Um, I think for the first 20 minutes of the game, Everton were on the front foot and playing pretty well. And then shortly after that, just kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Uh, Michael Keane had a really bad giveaway that Adam Armstrong for Southampton picked up the ball and just went in alone and scored. And to be honest, at that point, I was feeling pretty negative about how things were going. Like I was, I was thinking, oh man, here we go again. We're going to just implode at the first sign of adverse, adverse uh, events on the pitch. But instead, I thought you were struggling with the word adversity. So I was. Yeah. City. It's early. <laughs> adversity. <laughs> I thought I saved it pretty nicely. He did. He did. Uh, but and, and quite the Jordan Pickford style. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He made some, he made some, he was actually, I thought very important when there was a period there where Keane and Holgate were really struggling to communicate and deal with anything that was sort of in between them. And Pickford really took charge and bailed them out a couple of times, which was good to see. Um, and then, Everton came out flying in the second half. Richarlison scored to equalize. Abdullah Decore scored an absolutely beautiful goal where uh, Seamus Coleman sort of looped the ball into a Wobie who headed it to him, and Decore picked it up and turned to find space for a shot and just fired it into the top corner. Uh, and that was my favorite moment of the match right after that goal because a couple of Everton fans got onto the the pitch and celebrated with the players and it was just a nice moment to see after so long without full stadiums uh and then dominic calvert lewin was able to ice it a little bit later on um with a nice diving header that got through uh southampton's keeper so i read on twitter uh efc stato said that this was the first time since september of 2015 that everton won a match that they were losing at halftime so that's a long time to go without doing that. So yep. it's a Im- pretty impressive to accomplish that in the very first game of the season, very first competitive game under Rafa. Um, and I think Rafa really, really needed to win this game just to get off on the right foot with Everton fans, given some of the negativity that has been around the club this summer with everything that's happened. Uh, and he needs to take this one and, build on it and keep going forward. And I think uh, if Everton play like they did yesterday, looking to attack, uh, being positive going forward, which is not something we saw a lot of down the stretch under Carlo last season. um, I think that will win over a lot of fans very quickly. So it was not just the result we needed, I think, but a performance that we needed as well, showing some fight and comeback and willingness to go forward and attack. So my expectations were somewhat low going into it, to be honest with you, but I was very, very pleased with how the game went yesterday. What were your thoughts on um, Demarie Gray and Andrews Townsend? And how do you think, how do you think that Carlo, uh, that um, Carlo, oh my God, that Rafa <laughs> will be able to incorporate James um, Rodriguez into the scheme of things coming into maybe week two or week three? Yeah. You're going to need, you're going to need to incorporate James Rodriguez. It's clear that, the creativity in the midfield lacked yesterday, but somehow, some way, Everton managed to find a way to make it happen. But you're gonna need that reassurance in the midfield. So, how do you think? How do you think Rafa will be able to incorporate that into this lineup? Yeah, those are both good questions. I mean, Hamas was one of five players, I believe, who was 
who missed the match because yep. he was isolating. Uh, other key names include Ben Godfrey, Andre Gomez, JP Gabamin, Moise Keen as well. Um, so there's a couple pieces that hopefully will be coming back and add something to the squad. Um, in terms of Gray and Townsend, I've been pretty impressed with both of them considering Townsend was a free and Gray was just a couple of million pounds uh, to bring over. Um, I think Townsend in particular has sort of had this attitude where he's, as long as he's on the pitch, he's giving absolutely everything he has. And it's been nice to see that for sure. I think that's sort of infectious and rubs off on other players as well. Uh, he had a couple really nice crosses in the game yesterday, which was good to see. And Damari Gray also, I think, offers something a little bit different because he has a little bit more pace than uh, a lot of the wide players that we had last season had. So I think those were two – they're not like – world beating names where you're going to spend a bunch of money and bring in a star, but I think they both have something to offer to the team. And given that we really didn't have too many wide attacking players at all last season, uh, it's very important depth to have those two, two guys who can come in and start in a win could probably come off the bench at later points in the season. If you want to bring Hamas back into the fold, um, yeah, I mean, we still have a little a little bit of time before the window shuts, so I wouldn't be shocked still if Hamas leaves before the window ends. Um, I don't think the fact that he's isolating has anything to do with how Rafa feels about him, because if that was the case, then you'd have to also assume that Rafa wants Ben Godfrey out of the club, which there's no way that's the case. Um, but I think it is also still possible separate from the fact that he's isolating that him and Rafa don't have the greatest relationship as you've mentioned before, Diego, um, their time at real real Madrid. Um, that's not a secret or anything. So we'll have to see what happens there, but I think if he does come back in and returns from this isolation period, there's definitely a lot he can offer to the team. There's no question about that. We saw it when he played last year. I think it's just sort of a, a question of whether Rafa sees him in his plans or not, because if Hamas wants to stay and he has a role here, the fans will absolutely love to have him here. So I really, I really think it just comes down to whatever is going on behind the scenes between him and Rafa. Uh, because if it was up to the fans, I think the large majority would love to see Hamas continue to play at Everton for another season. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's your takes on Everton. Now moving over to Liverpool. Uh, they played yesterday against Norwich City, another uh, another team that got promoted to the English Premier League this season. Uh, Mr. Jones, what you think of your club, sir? It's me. Ooh. Um... Very good, very good performance yesterday. Very good from top to bottom. Um, the midfield looked a little shaky the first uh, 20-ish so minutes. But then again, you know, you're trying to just have uh, – trying to get your midfield settled. You know, you were without Dean Anderson. Um, Thiago Contra was also wasn't in the lineup yesterday. Um, you gave Fabinho some time to relax. His form wasn't 100%, so – they hadn't come off the bench yesterday. But they're attacking three yesterday of Jota, Salah, and Mane were solid yesterday. And when Jota came off, I mean, you know, he stepped right back on the pitch and he took took right where he left off. Um, you know, I think seeing Virgil back was uh, a, bl- a huge blessing for Allison Becker yesterday. Um, this team desperately needs him in the lineup every day. <laughs> yes. And, um, <laughs> While we're still waiting on Joe Gomez as well to come back fully and playing in uh, Premier League action, uh, this team is going to be, I think, solid. I think they're going to be a solid top four team still continuing. Um, they still also they don't have Andy Robinson as well. Uh, Tismak has played six minutes of Premier League action uh, last year. He played the full ninety yesterday, and he he looked pretty good, uh, in my opinion. I think 
for me, I want to see a little bit more consistency in the midfield because if we're rolling out guys like Oxley Chamberlain, night in and night out, uh, James Milner, love the guy. But if we're if we're throwing guys like that out, night in and night out, we're gonna we're gonna need to desperately get some some help in the transfer window. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, the one thing that I was kind of surprised yesterday is that we didn't see uh, Konate kind of get some uh, some uh, his feet in the water just to just to test them out. No yeah, on that. um, based off of what just with Klopp in general, I think they play they play at home against Burnley. I think they'd rather have him get his feet wet at home a little bit to to get the, the feel of the EPL style a little bit. So I think that um, in the next match, they will, we will see Conte start um, next to Virgil van Dijk. Okay. okay. I like that. Um, all right. So Liverpool won 3 nothing against a, a natural pretty good Norwich City because if it, like like you mentioned, if it wasn't for, for Virgil in the back helping – control the attack this game could have ended a completely different way easily a two to one in that i mean there's no question on that um moving over to manchester united um i mean i think i think the world saw it yes i think every social media platform saw it yesterday so i don't know if i could say more than what people said yesterday but um i think for united fans as i mentioned on an article that i wrote for catch guy sports which by the way check out the site um, it there's just a lot of content on that website and, and you need to really just check it out. Um, I mentioned this, it, Manchester United fans have got to be excited about this club this year. They, they need to, they really need to get behind the motive, behind the, the, the idea, behind the, uh, the structure of the team, because if they don't, there's only so much that Ollie can do um, technicality wise until fans become a matter of the game in itself. We saw yesterday and we saw throughout this whole entire uh, opening window how impactful the fans have been in the uh, performances of these teams. Uh, but yesterday we saw we saw the typical United with um, a, a very standard lineup. You know, you had David, you had David De Gea, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw in the back. Uh, McTominay and Fred handling the defensive midfield area of things. Uh, Daniel James, Bruno Fernandez, Paul Pogba, and then he had um, Mason Greenwood up front. Um, surprisingly, of course, you didn't see any uh, Marcus Rashford in there. You didn't see uh, you didn't see Cavani in there, which is okay. It's it you know these are guys that are are recuperating from a, from a few of their own uh, health issues. Uh, but without a doubt, fans got to see a little bit of what Jaden Sancho has got to offer to this lineup, which is going to be very exciting. Just a few touches that he got, creative chances. Uh, him and Pogba seem to uh, align really, really, really well, um, which for those two to align and give Bruno Fernandes an opportunity to create far more chances up front to any of the strikers, whether it's Mason Greenwood, Anthony Marshall or Edison Cavani, this is going to be a very lethal team that I think, you know, because we were, we're also, um, we're also like, you know, with smoke and mirrors between Chelsea doing their signings and Manchester city signing Jack Grealish, you know, you immediately think of these guys, like the mega teams, but um, you know, I think, I, I think realistically Manchester United has, a very, very, very good chance of contending for a title this year, whether it's Premier League, whether it's Champions League, which I personally, just with PSG, Manchester City, and all those guys in there, I personally don't see how Manchester United can do it. But if they do it, my God, what a, what a story to write. Um, listen, as, as long as we win the Carabao Cup, that's all I care about. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but to begin with, um, Bruno Fernandes, my God, what a performance. Um, opening day, a hat trick to begin with, which I don't think there's many clubs around the world that can say that their star player opens up his season with a hat trick. And then to, to add on top of that, 
Paul Pogba with a quadruple play of assists because he assisted in all the four goals that were scored in the second half. He was involved in Fred's goal, uh, involved in Mason Greenwood's goal, involved in the Bruno Fernandez goals. I mean, this is what a performance for Pogba. I mean, I mean, I, I know a lot of people this year were doing fantasy Premier League um, content. I unfortunately, I, I was telling this to Chris Jones. I unfortunately had to drop Pogba off of my fantasy team because too many Manchester United uh, players. But let me just tell you, if you had if you have Pogba and Fernandez in your Premier League team, uh, yeah, you're. You, you you you're taken care of. You're <laughs> you you you're writing off very high in the first week. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with um, with Mason Greenwood as well. I thought he um, he's definitely back at the levels that he needed to be at. Um, he was involved throughout the throughout the midfield. Obviously, a great striker, a great finisher. I mean that that finishing touch and that goal that he scored is is just top class. Um, you don't get a lot of young guys that can finish that way. Um, one that kind of surprised a little bit to begin with was how off pace was Fred at the first half. I think maybe, you know, the jitters are coming back home to a full crowd, maybe got to him a little bit just because it's a tough readjustment, especially from last season. Um, but he managed to get himself involved in the game in the second half and, uh, Got himself a goal and uh, performed really well. I, I um, can't really take away from that. Uh, Matic looked good too, coming off of the uh, coming off the bench. I think this realistically, this team uh, has a lot of weapons to work with this year. And um, I know that one of the players for Manchester United is tied to a potential move to Everton, and that's Andreas Pereira. Uh, I think if we were to lose him, it's not a tough loss for United, but a huge game for Everton to continue creating that midfield um, attack that they're creating. Uh, you know, when you got guys like Andrew Stausen, who, like Andrew said, can give it all when he's playing. Uh, Demaray Gray, who it, I, I can't wait to see Demaray Gray and James Rodriguez play together because that's, I, I think to me, Demaray Gray answers what James was missing all season long last year. And that was an assistant that could create chances with him. Uh, I, I I would say that Everton's season would be in a really good shape if they can get Andres Pereira. Um, but overall, very happy with Manchester United. Can't wait to see the heavily stacked lineup that we, we can actually put forward. And just keep in mind, this was not an easy win at all either. This was a, a, a very good Leeds United team that, even after trailing five one, they 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 had us on our back too on our on our tippy toes and in a multiple flurry of chances that uh, you know luckily for us De Gea performed really well. Bless you. Um, God bless you, Andrew. Hope you're not concussed. Um, Wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, I, I will say though the goal from Leeds United, I ailing. If goals like that could count double, I, I I would have been like, whoa! Don't give them the pity, the pity double goal. No, man, my, not, my, not, my, not, my, my, that goal this shit today. I'm not that goal was a, that goal was a beauty though. Very not shit today. Very well hit right to that um, left side of of the hay. I mean, my God, that thing was a missile coming at him. Um, but overall, like I said, really good weekend by um, by United. Welcoming um, Rafael Varane too to the club. Can't wait to see how he does pairing up with either Harry Maguire or Victor Lindelof. So um, overall, just, just honestly, great football. The beautiful game is is back in full pace. Fans are involved. Um, you know, th- things are looking good. Things are looking good for football. And I know that a lot of people, in, especially in our Couch Guys staff too, um, you know, soccer isn't really all that big sometimes in, in America uh, but it seems like nowadays it's getting more of a spotlight and it's about time because it deserves the spotlight in America if the rest of the world can see it I don't know why America can't see it but Fasciano real quick 
what are your what are your thoughts on these these couch guy personalities that are are jumping ship right off rip on Manchester United? Oh no! What no, are no, your no, no, thoughts no, 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 in addition to how good it looks this year, we had the numbers our content. We had our content director, who unfortunately, because he's in a in a chat with the vice president of Couch Guy Sports and myself, who are both Manchester United fans. You know, you kind of he doesn't really have much to work with. He's like, I hear about Manchester United, so like, might as well freaking join the bandwagon. But we have some other guys around though that are legitimately interested in finding a team in the in the Premier League to support. We gave our feedback. Said, we gave our feedback, but the question should be, what do you think about these guys who now want to jump ship and have a Premier League team that they want to follow? Not that's not the United stuff because nope. by that by nope. that you're attacking just one person. It's nope. very nope. nope 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 I'm attacking the the whole personnel as a whole that isn't a soccer fan because all they do is talk to Diego and Diego just says one thing: Manchester United, we're the best. We haven't won a big trophy, sir. Since, uh, sir. sir Alexander Ferguson, but we're the best, absolute sir. best. Sir, we are the best in terms of winning. Let alone titles. the kid's a Red Sox fan and Liverpool is owned by the Fenway Sports Group, but he goes right for Manchester United. They are owned by the worst owner in the world. And doesn't Henry. matter, still the same. Like the Red Sox makes it that much easier. Andrew, Andrew, so back yeah. to my question before I got really interrupted. What are your thoughts on the couch guy personalities that, uh, my, uh... Seem, that's, that seem to be looking towards? Coming to the Premier League, it seems to be going right for the wagon of one of the best teams of all time, Manchester United. Rather yeah. than going going <laughs> the approach of of Andrew here and taking a team like Everton. Well, my my theory was that uh, perhaps our fearless leader, Mister Galvis and uh, Mister Scally, had done some recruiting. So it makes sense that Diego said that that was the case. Uh, but Let's no, go, Al, Andrew. Al, uh, with a jab. I mean, no, I respect it. Honestly, like Al came on to one of our streams and asked who he supported. And uh, we all made our case for our separate teams. Right. So apparently he saw the most uh, the most merit in Man United. And I think it's probably a probably a pretty good choice, to be fair, if you want to see a team win some games this season. So I just I, I, I hate the majority of Manchester United fans. I really do. For no reason. Keep- Keyword, keyword. No, 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 no. The majority of Manchester United fans are obnoxious and arrogant. Majority, keyword there. Majority. Did I say your name? I did not. Did your name when but it's funny, coming it, with? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Arrogant and obnoxious come out of my mouth. Hang on, hang on. Those Listen, two, don't get me wrong. Liverpool fans words, aren't the greatest either. Those two oh, words great. coming out of your mouth saying that you hate obnoxiousness and arrogance. When you, when you're on a streak or when, when, you know, when you are so overconfident about something, you can get very arrogant too. Come on, man. But it's a red flag. There's a difference. That it's a difference. That in Twitter language that I call cap. There's a a distinct difference between what I do and what the Manchester United fans do when they start talking about how great they are with all these Premier League titles that they've won and all these trophies that they had and, how great Sir Alexander Ferguson was, and this and that, and that. Those are the type of fans I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you. You're a completely different type of asshole when it comes to Manchester United. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad we're having fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad we're having fun. I'm entertaining. Just... We're entertaining. That's what we do. We're entertaining. Well, the, number, the numbers are up, but we're fighting. No matter Listen, who it is, it could be it could be you and Andrew, it could be me and Andrew. Fucking, I mean, the best right. is when it's me and you. But hey, if we want to talk about having fun, let's talk about how much fun the Revolution team has been. It's a good segue. Seven unbeaten games 
these guys are having a blast. Last night they went against Toronto two to one, who is also the same exact team who they last lost to. Um, fellas, it, it it it's almost time to call it. Revolution is just gonna win this thing. It's almost time to call it. No, it's not. It's, it's not. not Diego, it's not. Diego, 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 and this is this is why I call you an asshole because you say <laughs> well, shit like I mean, this all the, and it ruins it. No, no, no. This is this specifically. You say shit like this and you're ruining. You can't ruin it. Just let <laughs> just let them play well. And also, not for nothing, the Revolution. When's the last time the Andrew? You would know this. When's the last time the Revolution were this high on the table at this point in the season? Oh, that's been a while, uh, though, right? Since like fifteen, I think. I want to say maybe never. I I heard something the other day that they're one of like five teams now who have had forty points at this point in an MLS season. So, yeah. so can can I can I do a little two two to the horn here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to toot our own horns here, but you know, we bring on. Mr. AJ Delagaza to come on the pod and the revolution look like the best team in the league. Yeah. That's the <sighs> the yellow card podcast blessing right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but the, also, the game also speaking of revolution, yeah. I'm working behind the scenes on potential another revolution impact as well. Mm-hmm. But yes, continue, Andrew. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say the game last night in particular was kind of a very cool homecoming for Tejon Buchanan because Canadian kid who's played very well for the Canadian national team got to finally go home and play in front of his home fans. And he scored a goal and did a very nice flip right after it. So that was pretty cool to see. He definitely deserves, deserved a moment like that after how, been, how, how good he's been over the last couple of seasons for the revolution. But yeah, I mean, they're just rolling right now. They really are. Seven games unbeaten. Um, they got all their pieces back now from Gold Cup and international competitions. So I'm excited to just see them keep on doing their thing um, up until the All-Star break and then hopefully after that as well. Yeah. No, I think th- their, their schedule coming up, I think, if, if I looked at it correctly, they play D.C. United uh, Wednesday. Then they have um, Cincinnati at home. I think mm-hmm. next two games are at home, actually. Yeah, D.C. United. Yep. And then they're home against Cincinnati. And then they play at NYCFC. Yeah, just after the All-Star game because the All-Star so, game is the 25th, and then NYCFC is the 28th. So I think I think that's – um. <clears throat> You know, that's some potential, another potential to get this yeah. up into double digits. It's a winnable but, stretch. But yeah. when, but when I say, when I say double digits for the stretch, I'm not talking about them just running off and going unbeaten the rest of the season because that's just preposterous. But I do think that they are a favorite to win. We we thought they were favorites to win coming in. We think they're favorites to win now. Uh, now we just would like to see them put it all together when it matters the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think uh, I think what. A lot of people also fail to recognize is the amount of work that Bruce Arena has done behind closed doors for this team. We finally have a major network in Boston covering the revolution, which we haven't really had in a very long time. Somebody that can actually put the focus on this team and actually really drive a force of fans to finally drive down to the land of nowhere, which is Foxborough. Uh, and, and go and support this team at their home stadium. On top of that, uh, you know, the development of these players is not easy. And we've seen Gustavo Bo literally take his game from whatever it was last year to a whole different level of things. Carlos Gill continues to develop his game. Um, Matt Turner continues to be just a phenomenal goalie altogether. Tejon Buchanan, I mean, that, that gets developed night and day from last season to this season. Uh, it's just – and some of, the, some of the experience that he's brought to support that mentality as well. I mean, AJ, for example, we, I know that we've mentioned him a couple of times, but how, how important has AJ been behind 
for the revolution is highly underrecognized. It's something that needs to be put out there because when AJ needs to be the center back for the revolution, the guy can play that role seamlessly. When he needs to be the left winger, the right winger, he does it seamlessly. When he needs to be a center defensive mid, he'll do it. He does it seamlessly. It's just it, the and and the way that he inspires these guys to just kind of fit into those roles is just incredible stuff altogether. So um, Bruce Arena, all of you guys have just continued to do it. Just that this is this is exactly what New England needed to see to support finally the game that they needed to support all along. Uh, I was at I was at the stadium about three weeks ago, and I used to go to a lot of Revolution games where. Literally, it would just be maybe one or two sections full, and the rest was just like, you know, a few here and there, but not a lot. That stadium was almost full, and it, it's really, really nice to see a lot of Revolution fans come come aboard and and support this team. Um, as but not least, back to the Premier League, because next week offers a lot of really good games as well. So what we're going to do here, just to close it up on a good note and, and a little fun note, is, um, fellas, how about we pick How about we pick our three favorite games for next week? And let's give some predictions for those games. What do we think? Sounds good to me. Fasciano. I'm sorry. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's let Fasciano start. Okay. I want to hear that majestic voice of yours. <laughs> My voice is struggling a little bit today, but <clears throat> still good. We're, we're trucking. Um, first game I'll pick on Saturday, August 21st, is Crystal Palace hosting Brentford. Um, I think after what Brentford did on Friday, everyone's pretty high on them at the moment and interested in seeing whether or not they continue playing at that level and crystal palace had a tough opening matchup against chelsea but i do still think that they have a lot of talent and can have a pretty good season if they put it together so i think it's an exciting matchup of young teams who have fairly high ceilings um in comparison to what they've been in past seasons at least uh prediction wise it's tough. I don't know. I, I think that uh, we might see a draw in that one. Maybe like a 2-2 a draw. Um, Brentford gets another point on the road and Palace shows what they can do a little bit more than they did against Chelsea on – when was that? Yesterday, Saturday. Um, second game, I'm going now to Sunday, the 22nd of August. Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea on the road visiting Arsenal. Um, actually, the the two teams that the two teams in the first game I picked played in their first match of the season. Um, Arsenal, unfortunately, I don't think they will bounce back in this one, uh, especially if Chelsea add Romelu Lukaku to the lineup that beat Crystal Palace. Um, that's honestly why I'm picking this game because if if Rom starts in this one, I think Chelsea are going to be absolutely terrifying and could win this one by a couple goals. Um, I'll go three one in that one to Chelsea, and then my this third and final game. Yeah, this uh, this is ridiculous. You know why? Why are we two for two on the same? No, so I'm going to cover the other two games that I have picked, Mm -hmm. but. Oh, same pick. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) We're thinking alike. (laughs) The the third and final game that I'm going with is on Monday, West Ham against Leicester. I think it's, uh, it has the potential to be an important one for teams trying to qualify for Europe and crack the the top strip top six stronghold, excuse me. Um, I like Leicester city in that game. I think they were pretty decent in their opener. 
Uh, I'd like to see them score a few more goals than just the one. Um, I'm going to say Leicester City will win that one. 2-1 on Monday. All right, Jones. Ooh, I'm up. Yeah, woohoo! Uh, three games looking forward to next week. Uh, Sunday, Wolves and Tottenham first game. Nuno's. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, not for nothing. This is why. I, this is why I went first because Andrew took two of mine, so I'm, I'm readjusting. <clears throat> so Wolves and Tottenham. Um, obviously, Nuno Santo, his first game back as a rival coach this time. I think there's going to be some. Some serious blood shed in that game. I, I like Wolves. I like Wolves' chance in that game. The second game, uh, leads and everything. Who do you got winning for Wolves and Tottenham? I have Wolves winning two to one. Do you have Wolves winning two to one? <laughs> no, no, I don't. But the same score. Uh, Tottenham 2 one. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, then Leeds and Everton for me. Uh, for my beloved Do not co-host say this. <laughs> over here, <laughs> so my beloved co-host over here. Uh, I think this is a big game for Everton. Uh, Leeds, I think, is a team that can finish in the top ten of the table. I think Everton on the road. I think would be um, especially with the struggles that they had last year on the road. I think they desperately need to bounce back here. I think this is going to end in a one-one uh, draw, and I think Everton at least gets the point on the road. Um, and then obviously the last game, um, Andrew already said Arsenal and Chelsea. I mean, this is the game that <clears throat> you know for Arsenal can't start zero two in the prem. Plain and simple, can't start zero two in the prem. Hey, uh, Jesus Christ, call me your mic, buddy. Um, <clears throat> you can't start zero two. In- in the Premier if you're Arsenal, especially if you want to finish in the top six, in my honest opinion. Uh, Chelsea is just a wagon right now. And Dad, that wagon of uh, Lukaku, they're going to be uh, they're gonna be riding riding high all, all year. So those are my three. And then also keep an eye out on uh, Villa and Newcastle Saturday because I think that's going to be a sneakier game as well. Yeah. I like it. Wow. Well, I just lost whatever brain cells were <laughs> left in my brain this morning. Uh, those were gone a long time ago. But... Oh. Well, whatever babies they left behind, they're gone too. Um, oh. We're showing a lot of a lot of grit and toughness on this episode, guys. We are. We are. That's why we are. Uh, we are a Boston-based podcast and therefore Boston Strong, baby. Let's go. Uh... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one stretch. Oh, I think uh, I just cracked, right. cracked my kneecap. So my my three my three games that I had obviously were said. Um, Wolves Same again. Wolves Same again. versus Tottenham. Um, I agree. Nuno Spirito Santo coming back to home stadium. It's gonna be a big game for him emotionally. But I think the from what I've seen so far with Tottenham. Uh, the chemistry is there. He, this is a guy who's trying to clean the house a little bit and clean the atmosphere a little bit. Um, he's supporting Dele Alley big time, and that's something that you kind of need to do in this team, especially because he he had a major role in Tottenham until Mourinho kind of decimated him. Uh, but let's not forget that Wolves also is heavily inspired with Raul Jimenez's uh, return to the lineup. So I think this is an emotional game. But I think it's a it's a very good game to watch. I think it's if anything, it ends two to one for Tottenham. Um, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Um, based on the performance that I saw from Arsenal, their back four is just not there at all. Uh, it's a very weak back four, uh, and unfortunately, not a lot of support there for. Um, I think his name was Ben White, if I'm not mistaken. There's not a lot of support for him. Uh, they need Mar- Gabriel back pretty badly. They need Gabriel That's back, bad. and they need to they need to give Leno confidence that he has a defense. Uh, there's only so much the guy can do. And they need to shoot Rob holding into the sun. And not not only that, but now now coming into this game, you you have the possibility of Romelu Lukaku coming through that defense. 
I find it, I find it a very difficult task for Arsenal to win here. I'm, I'm thinking three to one. Um, if oh, Lukaku, I didn't give my prediction I, for Chelsea. I, I thought. I, I'm sorry, thinking, to cut, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I'm thinking that if Chelsea start off with Werner and Lukaku up front, um, it, it it's over for Arsenal before they even, they even thought it was a start. Um, I like the Everton versus Leeds game. I think every single time that these two have faced each other, it's been a very good game. Um, Everton has a very decent um, midfield game here, but I think with Leeds, I think the score, the, the way that things mapped out for them against United, it's going to lit a fire under them. Uh, Marcel is one of those guys that likes to bounce back with a, with a statement game. Um, so if anything, I, I actually think this is a two to two tie. Um, I think it's a it's a very even game, but with a two to two. Um, and my I, I think my my dark horse for this week as well is actually Liverpool versus Burnley. Um, Burnley always plays Liverpool very tough, especially at home. We saw it last season. Um, you know, yeah, they got Virgil Van Dijk back. That's great. Uh, but I think Chris can attest to this too. I mean, if it wasn't for Virgil at the backboard, that defense needs some major retooling uh, to be done. Uh, if they can get Virgil and Conate working together to be your starting center back, then you have some of that uh, worryness wiped out off of, off of the uh, off of the aspect of things. But Burnley is Burnley, man. They are a pass to any top five teams in the Premier League, and I think this is one of those games where uh, yeah, you're coming back to on-field, but it could be a one-on-one tie easily. So, um, I, I hope that Liverpool can win against Burnley because... No, you don't. You know, <laughs> no, no you I don't. do. No, I do because coming back to coming back to on-field with, with your whole entire uh, lineup and Virgil van Dijk coming back to on-field, like, that should inspire Liverpool's team to, to perform really well, but um, I I have to give credit where credit is due. Burnley is Burnley's been a pest ever since they've been in the Premier League to any top five uh, teams in the Premier League. So, um, it you know it it could very well be a one-one tie. That's in, that's my opinion. Uh so I would agree with you if the game if it was being played at Burnley, and I also think. But me, didn't you guys didn't you guys lose to Burnley at home last season? Like the two times that you guys played them, I don't fucking remember. It was last season. <laughs> you know what I remember from last season? I was finishing in third place. That's all that matters. Um, but I think for me, uh, what was I going to say? Burnley also lost the heartbreaker to Brighton in that second half. They were up one nothing, gave up a goal, and gave up another goal. Um, so I think that their uh, emotions going to be a little bit high. I think they're going to come out with some energy in the first half, but I think Liverpool at the end will get the job done at, at Anfield especially with that crowd back in attendance. Yeah. I mean, just last, last season, I remember this, it was towards the end of the season, July, July 11th, 2020 Liverpool and Burnley and one, one, and you had Gomez, Van Dyke. You had Wijnaldum, Fabinho. And in the front, you had Salah, Firmino and Mane. While Burnley had, Rodriguez and Wood up front, but they had a decent four in the midfield. So it's it's important to note that that you know that he was on, but still, just a a, a very difficult game here for for Liverpool. I'm I'm so sorry. Literally at the time we're recording, I have the West Ham game just up on the corner of my screen, and Antonio got uh there was a VAR. West Ham got a penalty. Antonio missed the penalty. Oh and Susan came, came in and scored. It's now three to two West Ham. This game is wow. intense right now. Well, I was and close on my two to one. There's still there's still like uh 27 minutes left in this game. This game is legit intense. This is a great game. This is a great way to start the Premier League, ladies and gentlemen. Um David Moyes is fired up. So with this said, this wraps it up for episode 47. Don't go anywhere if you're listen or whatever uh follow the twitch channel because the yellow card podcast is back on the yellow uh, on the twitch so uh make sure that you're looking out for any announcements on our on our streams come support our 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 podcast but last but not least that does it for episode 47 
Signing off is Diego Galvez, Chris Jones, Andrew Fastriano. See you back next week for episode 48.